right away basically cut up a sock and we had some of the metal pieces we were 3D printing for the glass project. And I just hand stitched this onto an Apple watch, wore it around, realized it was amazing and started selling them to friends over Venmo for like 20 bucks. And I sold like maybe 50 to people. My first 50 bands were just hand stitched, like literally using one of those hotel sewing kits that I didn't know how to sew, but I figured out how to do it well enough to sell this thing for 20 bucks to friends. And then slight fast forward, ended up partnering with a different friend of mine in college who was also really entrepreneurial and he was wanting to get involved. So we basically co-founded Braxley. What's up? My name is CJ Finley and this is the Thrive On Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive On Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Braxton Manley. He is a 26-year-old Austin-based entrepreneur, and what started as his college project of creating a stretchy Apple Watch band out of a sock has since gotten out of hand and onto 200,000-plus wrists. Today, Braxton and his team have grown the band business to over $5 million in revenue and are working on adding new lines of products to continue to expand the Braxley brand. In this episode, we dive deep into how Braxton turned a simple idea into a life-changing business and how he plans to continue to push the limits of his creativity to help solve problems and have fun along the way. Please welcome to the show, Braxton Manley. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast, and I'm excited for today's conversation. I have Braxton Manley, founder of Braxley, with me here today. And when I was wearing an Apple Watch, I was rocking his Braxley bands. But as you'll find out here today, his company is going to move more towards other products and diversifying. But we're going to kick it off with he bootstrapped this company from a school project, literally $0 invested into it. And now they've sold over a quarter million bands and 5 million in revenue. And I just want to say congratulations on that. That's really impressive. And welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you, CJ. It's great to be here. I remember giving you those bands like probably four <laughs> years ago at a coffee shop and you just blew my mind with all of your marketing knowledge and just the way you can with your perspective on brands and on business was something that I never forgot. So it's cool to reconnect. That. I appreciate that. Yeah. We, we met at, uh, what was it? Cherry. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And then that coffee shop, we like Cherry Wood chopped it up, up for a while. Yeah. So the, the beautiful thing about Austin, Texas is if you meet other entrepreneurs here, usually the story is somewhat similar to that. We were at a networking event, then we went to a coffee shop, and then we figured out how we can help each other. And that's one reason that I remain staying here in Austin, Texas. It's such a beautiful place for that. But the first question that I have for you, because I know what it's like to be in college and have school projects, I never would have fathomed a school project turning into something that could support my life or multiple lives when you have other people that are partnered in it and in your team. And then obviously the customers that are impacted. 
I'd love to little know a little bit more about that story of how the bands actually got started. And was there any other ideas when you were working in that group? Because if you would have leaned into another idea, who knows where Braxton would be right now? So yeah. run us through what that was like however many years ago. Yeah, um, I was at Texas Tech studying marketing and management, 100% trying to get into the entrepreneurship program that they were sort of establishing um, and was obsessed with the idea of like startup culture and of starting my own thing and just was listening to all types of cool podcasts, people, entrepreneurs sharing their stories. And I was just insanely uh, eager to start my own thing. And there, this uh, three-day startup little mini conference thing popped up at my school. And basically, it's like three days. You, you show up Friday. You pitch your idea. Ten teams out of like 50 people get uh, divided up. And then by Sunday, you're pitching to investors. And I signed up. My roommate and I got in, and we both pitched ideas. Neither one of ours got chosen. So uh, my idea at the time was cool Apple Watch bands because I had just gotten an Apple Watch for my birthday and the band on it. What year was this? This was 2016. Okay. So the band on it drove me nuts. Like I, I didn't think it looked good, didn't think it felt good. So I just wanted to make cool Apple Watch bands. I'd always liked sort of uh, having an eccentric fashion sense in a way. And I think that it's a, it's a powerful place for people to express themselves. And the Apple Watch was just as basic as it gets. So they made them interchangeable. I was like, somebody needs to come in here and make cool Apple Watch bands. So I pitched that idea to the group, didn't get chosen. We ended up working on some other project that was the idea. I mean, I guess it's irrelevant, but it was basically a robot that could make handwritten letters. And we realized like halfway into it, we're like, we none of us want to do this. This isn't going to work. And I mean, so, I, I think that's super relevant because on the outside, a robot, it's like way more flashy than a band. Fair. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, why so the, when you're in that mode in college, it's like that's what traps us, not even just in college, but in, in entrepreneurship. Tra the, the flash traps us when the better business was clearly the path that you went. Not to cut you off, but yeah, like that's that that was a super relevant thing. Like I feel like when I was in college, like, ooh, robots or ooh, something <laughs> like flashy that we could work on. Yeah, the next big thing. That's that's a good point. I mean, it was like, oh yeah, this is gonna be huge. Like, um, but then we realized we're like, none of us know robotics. How are we gonna do this? And it came down to, all right, we're gonna we're gonna pick somebody else's idea in the group. There was like six of us, and it was me versus my like roommate and one of my best friends to this day, Matthew Shores. He had an idea for basically a wiki library where people could publish original works online it was paywalled and basically uh, a place you could go to read fiction from like independent authors i had a cool apple watch bands we're like bro all right whoever wins this like no hard feelings let's just flip a coin and then the group has to promise we're just going to work on that one flip the coin i won we worked on braxley bands and i didn't even come up with a name at the time it was just some girl in the group that was like let's just call it braxley none of us really thought we were going to do this after the project anyway um I I wish there was a video of this coin flip. I feel like in today's day and age, like you'd be flipped. There'd be an IG story or, or a TikTok of of the coin oh flip. It'd be really cool to look back on. 
the girl just randomly thought of Braxley. There was no, like. Yeah, it was literally putting my first and last name together. We're like trying to come up with names. We're like, maybe we should come up with a made up word, something that doesn't have a handle taken already. Um, Yeah, came up with Braxley. We made it. We just went with it. And actually, funny enough, there is a video of the pitch on YouTube and it is cringy, dude. It's hard to watch because we were so nervous, all suited up. And like, I remember literally like, like as soon as I went up there to like pitch the thing, I just blanked. (laughs) <laughs> and I, it was, it was very awkward. We were the first group to go. And, uh, I feel know. like I'm allowed to laugh because I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, any, anybody that's has the capability of going up in front of other people that you don't know and pitching. I mean, it doesn't even have to be an idea. It could be anything. It's a scary thing. It's actually like, uh, a, st- a, t- a statistic that like there are people that fear i think it's like they fear public speaking more than they actually fear death or something yeah. something crazy like that yeah. um so it's a real thing so kudos to you and your team how many people were working on the project originally i think six and then it dwindled once you were figuring out like okay this is an actual project how many did it, that then it go into it, it then pretty much dwindled to just myself Okay. So let's uh, yeah. run let's let's run through that. So you do this pitch, you're nervous. Tell like go as deep as you you'd like. You're on this day, you're suited up, you pitch, run us through like that time frame until you actually understood that this could potentially be a business. Yeah, so we pitched it to a group of like 6 to 8 investors that were I think really just there for support, but they were actual entrepreneurs in the Texas Tech region and none of them got it they were like this is none of them had apple watches they didn't really see the potential in it so i mean it it wasn't exactly like a warm reception they just kind of like shot it down i guess uh you know not in a rude way they were trying to be supportive of students but it was like okay i think everybody else in the group was like yeah i guess it's not really a good idea then (laughs) and and then i like went back to school studied studied abroad like just was i was a sophomore when that project happened and then actually it wasn't until junior year that i literally just had this epiphany that i should make the watch band out of a sock like a stretchy like sock soft material would be a perfect watch band because you can slip it on and off it's washable and it's just breathable comfortable material so I right away basically cut up a sock and we had some of the metal pieces we were 3D printing for the class project. And I just hand stitched this onto a, basically onto an Apple watch, wore it around, realized it was amazing and started selling them to friends over Venmo for like 20 bucks. And I sold like maybe 50 to people. My first 50 bands were just hand stitched, like literally using one of those hotel sewing kits that I I didn't know how to sew, um, but I figured out how to do it well enough to sell this thing for 20 bucks to friends. And then, uh, I guess, slight fast forward, ended up partnering with a different friend of mine in college who was also really entrepreneurial, and he was wanting to get involved. So he, we basically co-founded Braxley, and um, he was uh, actually experienced at a sewing machine. So we just like got to work. He took a sewing class in high school for a blow off class. 
And it was the, it was, I mean, he was how, amazing so at it. How did the universe bring him to, did, did it bring him to you? Did he see that you were sewing things and he was like, oh, I have the skill to do this? Or was it a different reason? Well, we were, but we were in the same fraternity. So we were, we were buddies hanging odds? out. And, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And he had this idea, actually, he wanted to, uh, repurpose like Louis Vuitton bags and turn them into Apple watch bands. Cause there was this Instagram account that was doing that, you know, and it was like the first Louis Vuitton Apple watch band. He's like, dude, people would go nuts for this. And so he was kind of working on that. I was working on Braxley and then we just realized it's like, dude, let's both go all in on Braxley. This is going to be good. And so, yeah, he, he like, so yeah. run us through, so you said it was 2016 that you originally had that idea and that that pitch. Mm -hmm. How long of a time frame did it go from that pitch? You kind of got shot down. Everybody's like, yeah, this was a cool thing, but it's not really a business. What was the time frame from that until you stitched your first sock? It was about a year. So yeah, we, we were stitching socks and then formed the LLC uh, spring 2017. Okay. So we're looking at six years in business now, actually. Yeah. The reason that I, I'm dialing into the years and, and the timeframes is anybody that's listening, anything that's worthwhile doesn't even seem like it in the beginning. Like m most ideas don't strike gold the first time you bring it to light. Like there's, there's no lightning strike of this is brilliant from day one. It takes a lot of iteration over time. And if you look at Braxton and Braxley's kind of like come up over the past six years and the, the product that he has now in front of me, which is really cool. We'll talk about that later. It's pretty impressive the different iterations and things that you've went through, but I know how much struggle goes into that from like logistics to finances to building a team. Even when you sold those first 50, for you, just coming out of college, like what was going through your head? Was it, okay, this is going to be a multi-million dollar business? Was it, I'm just trying to get a couple customers? Was it, I need to develop a better product? There's so many things that go into it. How did you know which way to go and where to go first? Yeah, I think my sights were set on establishing a lifestyle business that I could run and ultimately enjoy to where I didn't have to take some entry level marketing job at a at a job fair type company and i was terrified of that like i really didn't want that for my life i wanted to have creativity freedom i wanted to i wanted to be able to like make a name for myself and you know once we started selling those first bands i was like okay i have to do whatever it takes to make sure that i don't i can avoid the job fair and never have to step into a job fair like i want to I want to do this by the time I graduate. My goal is to make enough money from this that I can graduate and then be working on this full time. And yeah, I mean, we pulled it off. So you weren't even incentivized by the actual project in the beginning necessarily. You were incentivized because you just didn't want to have a job. Yeah. Which is a great point because there's so many things in our lives that we think that we we have to do a certain thing or go a certain path or believe in a certain thing because the world is telling us. But the reality was like you wanted an alternate path and you were trying to find a vehicle for that. Yeah. And 
it's one of the reasons I like your story because like even Apple Watch is like you couldn't go first grade through 12th grade being like, I'm going to make bands for Apple Watches. It wasn't a thing. Like it didn't <laughs> exist. Yeah. And that's very important to take note of because anybody that's in school right now can realize that and kind of take the pressure off of maybe I don't even know what I'm meant to do yet. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful thing because I feel deeply empathetic towards that side of the story. Um, and it's one of the driving factors. Like when I was in school and in a fraternity, even no matter how stressed out I was um, and how much work I had to do, like I always went to the gym, I always worked out and I was just like always coaching and training other people. But in the moment, I didn't necessarily know, okay, this could be an outlet for me for my future career. I just didn't. I didn't see that yet. So mm -hmm. for you, when did the light bulb come on that, okay, this is actually going to be a legitimate business? You said that the LLC started in 2017, but again, like things in the beginning of starting any business are kind of fragile. What time frame was it that you had decided this is like going to be my thing for the next five years plus? I think it was once the reviews started coming in and we started running Facebook ads and we started a little bit of scale and we realized that the potential this had and how large this business could be because Apple watches were only growing in size, like exponentially. I mean, you know, we started on the generation one and by generation three, like, I mean, half the people around campus had an Apple watch and so we what were, was your initial strategy, like go-to-market strategy to get sales outside of those 50 people that you that you got through Venmo? Once you kind of scaled to the next level, you mentioned Facebook ads and some other things mm -hmm. like behind the scenes, what were you saying? Like, how do we get these bands in, in people's, bands and hands is what I would yeah. say. Yeah, I mean, I, I Facebook ads was a big one, but also we were really clever, I think, about empowering the users of the product to post about it on their own social medias and, and and sort of get that UGC slash like micro influential uh, hype built because but basically I mean what we did was we said I remember this postcard or this insert we included that I thought was so genius at the time which was post us on your story and we'll repost you and give you $10 off your next band and I think the reason why that was clever was because we had normal people customers already posting us and like their unboxing experience, their band experience on their story. Everybody has at least like 500 followers. So, you know, they're sending those people to your brand. And then we are almost guaranteeing that they're going to buy a second band because we're giving them a discount on the next band. And so. And you're just basically saying it's costing us $10 to acquire a new customer. Exactly. Which is relatively fucking cheap. Yeah. Compared to a lot of other methods out there. Because if you're just giving them 10 off. Like essentially you can just say that it costs us $10 to get that person in, in the door. Yeah. But then they're also going to, that person's going to buy a second thing. So you're just like exactly. kind of the CLV customer lifetime value of that person buying more bands uh, gets extended because you're incentivizing them to buy more bands. Yeah. How the hell did you know how to do this? <laughs> Dude? I mean, I just was, I really was committed to learning from the best and like podcasts have been so helpful to me over the years because people just go on podcasts and just 
basically give out all their knowledge for free. And I was, I was listening to the guys who started movement watches and they were a big inspiration for me early on. Um, beyond that, like Tim Ferriss's stuff. I, that was really, my motivation came from reading the four hour work week and being like, Oh my gosh, this is the life I want for myself. How do I do it? And then just like basically reverse engineering it. When did you read that book or listen to that book? 2016. Like right when I did the, the pitch. Dude, that's insane. Yeah. That so 2016, January, I think it was like January 21st or 19th or something like that. I was working for UBS Wealth Management in Nashville, but my lease was up. And following Tim Ferriss's book, that's when I read it in late 2015. I decided I'm just gonna move to Houston where Aaron is. And if they fire me, I'll just find a new job. But what if they let me work from home? This was like before like work from home was really accepted. So I did and then asked for forgiveness rather than asking and they can then reject me. That was straight from four hour work week. So it had nice. a profound impact on my life. I usually, I typically, last year was the first year I didn't reread it. I've been like rereading and re-listening to it like every year. That book and Essentialism has been really good for me is like, I don't know if you've read Essentialism by Greg McKeon and learning like, I love how you mentioned like lifestyle business. Like it's very easy in entrepreneurship to add more things to your plate because you want more. But if it takes away from the lifestyle, do you really want to do that thing? And that's where essentialism is, has really helped me. And did four hour work week help you dial into that like lifestyle type of genre? Like when you mentioned lifestyle business, what was Braxton thinking of when he was a college student? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to travel and I wanted to be able to create other art forms. I was like, I mean, in high school, I was a painter slash actor slash like played a guitar in a band. And I was just like still super passionate about all those things, too. And I was like, you know, I want to be able to maybe make a name for myself in the in the art industry, you know, and like it was like, OK, cool. So I can sort of do Braxley as a way to sort of make a, you know, income. And then that also provides me the freedom to do whatever else I may want to do creatively. So, and what I've learned over the years is like, I still love those things, but I don't necessarily need to uh, identify with being like a professional in those things. I kind of just do them for my own sake, for fun. And I put so much of my creative energy now into Braxley, almost more as a product designer. And I feel really passionate about design. Were there any points in the beginning where you wanted to quit, give up, or there were some decisions that you made that could have, you could view as like potentially almost killed the business? That yeah, you can think of? for sure. I mean, it's still happened like up until recently, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm sure it'll happen again. But the... One crazy thing early on was that we were so we were started buying this elastic webbing. We we transferred away from sock material because it was too fragile and it started to deteriorate to a basically an elastic webbing that you would find on a pair of boxers like on the waistband. And so we were sourcing this stuff with a bunch of cool prints and stuff from a, a website called Strap Crafts. And I think we became that company's number one customer. Like we were buying thousands of dollars worth of this fabric at a time. And I think the owner of this was in China and he was probably wondering like, what are, what are they doing with this? Found out what we were doing with it. And he was like, 
oh, this is smart. I'm going to do this too. Knocked us off. And then not only did he knock us off, and the way I found out was I was scrolling Instagram and got hit with his ad for my watch band. No way. And But the worst part was he took his site down. So we couldn't get his we couldn't get his elastic anymore. And so we we're like, oh, we're we're done. I mean, that was it. We that was fun. But yeah, we don't know how to get this product anymore. Ended up working super, super hard to find a new supplier who we've actually been working with uh for the last like five years. And and we work with this middleman guy out of New York, uh, and this family owned factory uh, in in China. And I'm actually meeting them next week. I'm flying to New York to meet them for the first time ever after five years of business. Um, so it's been fantastic working with them. I mean, I think lesson learned there is blessings in disguise are real because we thought we were done and then it turned out to be way better this way because also this guy was charging a massive margin on his elastics we didn't even realize. Um, so we were able to, you know, start buying in bulk essentially and, and then making our own custom prints and actually doing our own artwork on them instead of just shopping from his inventory. But the number two, the big lesson is to be like self-reliant and to own your supply chain as much as you can and to like not let, you know, build that, I guess, you know, uh, uh, the term build a moat can kind of apply more to, I guess, competitors in the business environment, but it can also apply to like the supply chain and product side of things where you're like, you can build a moat against this guy taking his stuff off of, off of his website and then basically overnight just diminishing our supply chain so yeah that's wild yeah. yeah you i mean you hear about these stories like and this is what creates the founders that are super scared to like put their ideas out there because they have this fear of somebody's going to steal from them the reality of it is it happens few and far between but for somebody in your, in your shoes it happened sounds like overnight um and then you drastically had to change your business but the beauty is if you keep going and have the right mindset, it could work out in your favor. What what do you hope to talk to at the the new supplier about when you go meet them? So like what what are you looking forward to? Yeah. Well, I, I wanna be able to continue to innovate on the textiles we use and and really make stuff that is like just full of personality. Like sort of we're sort of the anti minimalist brand. Like we want to we wanna do stuff that just is compliment worthy and like like you know attention grabbing like not not obnoxious but something that you know can be a conversation starter so i think pieces especially in fashion that are conversation starters are powerful and i've had so many sort of uh connections and friendships built off of that simple fact that you know wearing something can easily spark a conversation and then the rest is history uh so i'm, I'm excited to talk with them about you know basically how we can continue to innovate. We, we just put out this, uh, well, actually just, it's not out yet. Maybe by the time where people are listening, but I got the final production samples yesterday of our latest product, which is a, it's so much more than meets the eye, but it's essentially a, a belt and a bag that can be combined to be a fanny pack. Um, I've been putting design work into this for the last like two years and I've had the idea since practically year one. Um, but really started developing it about two years ago. Hit a ton of roadblocks, but we finally like pulled through and, and have something that I think is a world-class product. And I'm just, I'm excited to, you know, get this out there. Hopefully it hits traction point and 
these are distributed all over the place. And then we can basically come up with limited editions, collabs. Like I would love to make this thing like an iconic bag. It's beautiful. Like it, it really is. I I've never just to be quite frank, like saw myself wearing something like that until you showed me. I think the versatility is what gets me. So a good example is I'm running an ultra marathon. I'm going to sign up for it for December and I don't want to run with a book bag, but I also like need something to hold uh, some gels, my phone, um, maybe some band-aids because I'm going to be getting blisters, whatever. Right. And when I saw that, I was like, Oh, it's interesting that you can not only wrap it around your waist, but wrap it around your shoulder uh, and over your chest. It's pretty cool. And I'm looking forward to showcasing that to people. What you mentioned moat prior for the bands, how would you do the moat for your latest product? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but just thinking through like, that's so unique. How do you make sure that past mistakes don't happen again? Yeah, I mean, it, it It all it's the same moat that we're doing with the watch bands, which is the, the Braxley personality has to shine through. And there are, of course, there's people that are already making fanny packs and elastic belts, um, but they're not making them like ours at all. And the added benefit of this bag is that it's, it's lined with copper. So we actually have so much function blended with the actual aesthetic style of it. Um, so the, the copper line bag, it's, you know, copper is a conductive metal, so it blocks EMF radiation from your phone, which as we know is, is emerging as like this, this really, uh, negatively, uh, affect, it affects us in a very negative way, which is, uh, causing a bunch of issues in fertility, in, uh, hormones and all these things. And so people are wearing fanny packs either right in their groin or right in their chest, like both places you don't want to be necessarily like radiating EMFs. And so this bag blocks that. We have three layers of it with the way that we designed the pockets to protect that from your body. Um, And then, okay, so like also the the moat. Like I I love this uh, philosophy with design, which is that we're designing in three dimensions. Function first, you have to make it an amazing, like functional product. It can't just look good, but then like style is second. So like after you've checked off the box that it is a highly functional, clever, like product, it has to look sexy. Third is to give it like spiritual depth and to like, that's, you know, that's like the place where you can find a way to inspire people with it, like with the design there's something there to give it spiritual depth. And like, if you can, I think, check off all three boxes, that's a masterpiece of a product. And not everybody can paint masterpieces. Let's reel it back. So you mentioned your experience in music and art and design. How has your childhood shaped your ability to produce a product like that? Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, I was thinking about that on an earlier question about how this all kind of started. And I, I remember from whenever I was like, I mean, as young as I have memories, like my mom was always like, you're creative. And that was a thing that people kept telling me when I was a, like a child was, oh, he's really creative. 
And I started to identify with being somebody that's creative and gosh, I mean, also funny story. My dad had a elastic, basically he was making, it was called nowhere fashions for anywhere. Nowhere spelled like knowing and then wear spelled like you're wearing pants. And they were, they were basically, it was like 1980s athletic wear that were done in these crazy patterns, like crazy personality. And it was making them here in Austin. And um, so like I had always kind of like pulled that entrepreneurial and then like I think creative influence from my from my parents and and then, you know, channeled that into my own things. And I remember just like coming up with like random little things like inventions and then getting that sort of feedback like, hey, this is actually pretty good. And then I think I just it was a matter of time before I like found something that was actually like feasible to bring to market because I was always playing in that space. I love how you just end that with the word playing. So many of us play as children because there's no means to an end. Like we're not thinking of the end. We're just doing. So you're just creating the art or you're just being creative. It's a verb. Like you're, you were creating things. Therefore other people would then label you as a creative. And it's funny because that wasn't <laughs> what people were calling me. I was really good at sports and uh, he's so athletic and things like that. And when I think of my life today, like literally before hopping on this podcast, I ran in my gym and then did a workout and I felt so much better. Like I, because I put so much energy into it, I get so much energy out of it. The problem I think in today's society is so many people forget where their natural source of energy comes from and how you mentioned like the third function, it's function, uh, fashion, and then the spirit, spiritual aspect of it. So many people forget where their natural source of energy was coming from. So it's beautiful to see, I can tell like, cause I know you, when I look through the product that you are living through the product. It's just an extension of who you are. And that's that's such a cool thing, an undervalued thing where somebody that's just going about their life, if you're if you're listening to this and you're looking for something to put your energy into, just think back to what you were putting your energy into a decade or two decades ago. I think there's something to be to be said for that. But let's shift it into a different gear here. Where's obviously you have the the bag coming out. Where's Braxley sit today? Like what is the five-year, 10-year goal now because you are six years into it and you do have this new product coming out? You've built the lifestyle business. You got what you want. Yeah. Now is the hard part, I feel like, for a lot of people. It's like, oh shit, I got to what I really wanted, but now the sky is the limit, which can be overwhelming. I know what that feeling is like. Do you find yourself overwhelmed? Do you have a clear direction? Do you have other business partners now that are kind of shaping the direction? What does the scope of Braxley look like? Yeah, so there's been some challenges the last year that have been that have completely transformed the business, and you know, one of them being the the iOS updates that happened, where Apple stopped sharing user data with advertisers, and we built this business over the last, especially the last three years. We were heavily investing in Facebook and Instagram ads, and we drove most of our sales through that. 
um, while building an email list and all these things. And, you know, 2020 was actually our highest revenue generating year ever. And we were thinking that it was just going to continue to go up. Like we set our 2021 forecast, like insanely ambitious, you know, we're like, oh yeah, like we're going to be, you know, rolling. And, um, it didn't happen because of, I guess a number of factors, but, but one of the main ones being that Facebook and Instagram ads stopped being as profitable for us and we got crushed with those. And so we started relying heavily on our retained customers and, you know, running emails to them and generating revenue that way. But we've struggled over the last two years to generate like meaningful amounts of new customers and running profitable ads. And so that part of it has been challenging and, you know, just emotionally like can be, can be feel very overwhelming because it's like everybody wants to think their business is just going to keep compounding year after year after year. And, you know, we were working with all these agencies who had so much overhead because we were just like, oh yeah, hire them, hire them, add this app, add this app. Everything's like, you know, thousands of dollars. And then as the revenue started to sort of come down, our expenses didn't correct congruently. And so we got hit with some debt and we're like, oh no, like this is, uh, this is how people go bankrupt. And that was really scary. Something I had to come to terms with, you know, basically last year. Um, and so what we realized is that we have to go back to those college days. We have to go back to running the business like scrappy college kids out of a dorm. And if we run it like that, we can't be killed. And so that's basically what we did. We were like, you know, not only are we, we're, we're not just going back to basics. We're going back to the soul because I think so much of the soul of what we were doing got lost when we started outsourcing it to all these agencies. And, you know, it was all trying to be part of this like lifestyle business where it's like, Oh, four hours a week, everybody's managing everything. I can step away, go to Hawaii for a week and not check my phone, you know? But, but the reality is like stuff does get lost when you start outsourcing everything like that. And, um, so much of what we're trying to do right now, like it does have this soul and it really does come from, from me. And so I need to be very involved with it. And so, you know, bringing so much of the stuff back in house when it comes to, you know, ads, email marketing, web design, like all this stuff we're, we're basically doing ourselves now. And, and now actually the business is, is actually my younger brother and I, and he graduated two years after I did, it started getting involved right after college. And, um, it's been, it's been really cool to work with my brother cause we've never, never had that opportunity, but that's one of the biggest blessings out of this is like, so cool to be able to, to be creating with him. And we have so many ambitions, like where we can take this, especially now that we've sort of come back to, you know, sort of grounded ourselves and we can sort of reestablish what resonates with our customers, what our moat really is and, and how to sort of reapproach the company and relaunch it and scale it again um, with these new new things we have and, and kind of the new ethos of the company and and so yeah that that that's been like a big journey and re, you know recently and it's 
I'm feeling, I think morale is as high as it's ever been. And I'm feeling really, really inspired more than ever by Raxley, which I thought for a while there, like I was like, oh, this is, we're going bankrupt. Um, but it's not the case. We just, we just had to course correct and actually go back to what, what our core is. And then we're going from there. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I think a lot of CEOs and founders go insane believing that growth year over year is just going to maintain what it originally was without reflecting and understanding what gave them that growth in the first place. And I am a huge believer that the growth always supersedes some special sauce. So in the beginning, it was you had you hit the market at the right timing. If you really think back to it, like the Apple Watch just came out, you have this new idea that there's it's low competition until that guy tried to take your competition. Nobody is really understanding the full capacity of Facebook ads and things like that. So you had a couple like instances where you had this special sauce, but just like in any restaurant, like the sauce can go bad <laughs> and you need to switch that out and create something new and come up with a new product. Like every, every business comes up with a new product. And I think that's really from the outside, that's what you were experiencing was, okay, we built a business off of a product, but now we actually have to become a true business, which has a diversity of products that then allow us to scale to this, to this new market. Let's chat a little bit about who do you see as this new market for scale? So you, who would be the best customer for somebody? Who would be the best customer if they're looking for a product like you just produced? Yeah, that's that's a good question that I don't fully have figured out yet because honestly, like I like to design for myself. And I know that everybody has a different sort of philosophy on that. But like truly what's worked for me is I'm like, I want to make something that I like and then I assume other people are going to like it too. And so, you know, because technically this product would be great for everybody. Like there's nobody that would not be able to use it or not find value in it. So it's like, okay, I think my customer profile is me and I'm just going to like make it the most awesome thing that I would ever want. And I think the only way to figure out who else like particularly resonates with it is to just get it out to market and we're going to just test, you know, we're going to test landing pages. Like, you know, do, is, is the EMF blocking fabric, is that what people resonate with? Mm -hmm. Or is it the clutch fanny pack design where you don't have to have the strap or is it the modular thing? Is it whatever, you know? And, and I think once we can kind of look at what people are resonating with, then we can hone in on that and speak to those people more directly. Such a wise answer is I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the more you the more you learn in life, the more it becomes easier to answer in a way where it's I don't know right now, but we're going to test and find out. Um I mean it's just like even the studio that you're sitting in. I just released a podcast today with my buddy Scott um who helped me actually put together this room and in De December 8th we released an episode where like we had no lighting, we had nothing. And we purposely did that because we wanted to show the iteration of to the next phase of where we're at right now. And the reality is I still have no fucking clue what I'm doing. Like yeah. literally before this episode, I'm like showing you the lights and different things that, mm -hmm. and like thinking of ways to be creative to, to continue to 
to iterate. Do you have another product in mind yeah. after this? Yeah, a few. Um, but the next one that will come is actually already in the pipeline. It's why I'm going to New York next week. Uh, and it's a hat. And so we're going to make an EMF blocking hat that has that copper lining inside. And then also it's stretchy. It's incredibly comfortable, amazing for running in. It's uh, machine washable. So it's just like kind of all the same core things we're, we're doing in the other two products will be applied to the hat. And we've gone through already three, four different sampling phases. And so, you know, we just keep building on it until basically it's perfect. Have you ever done any polling on your current email list of what products they would like to see? No, but we definitely should do that. It's, it's, uh, th this is something I'm learning as of recent is we going, need to ask customers what's up. Well, going back to the whole $10 off, I just started thinking, I was like, you can use that same marketing tactic, but use it. Then the, the money now isn't necessarily more purchases. The money now is data. How do you get data from them? So what can you incentivize them with to then basically tell you what your next product sets could be? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's where my mind goes. It's just like, and I do the same thing with the, with the podcast It's just like understanding what people are listening to and what they want to hear. So if you're listening to this right now <laughs> and you think there's something that I should be talking about or people I should be talking to, reach out to me and let me know because it's the best way that, that I can be valuable. Yeah. Um, as we get towards the end of this episode, I knew I know that you're not just working on Braxley these days. You, you mentioned that there's a couple other things that you're working on. I'd love to give you the floor to kind of like explain what are some other projects that you're working on, some other people that you're helping um, that way, anybody that's listening could also potentially get involved in those. Yeah. So sort of had this dream as I was building Braxley and as I was thinking 10 years ahead or whatever my life purpose is, I became inspired to essentially like replicate Braxley in a certain way where it's, you know, it's, it's a, one of a portfolio of brands that we have and that we're essentially managing a, a, a brand portfolio and the, the company of that, the, the name of our, I guess, uh, umbrella company is called Paradise Megacorp. This has always been the, the dream. Have you ever, hold up, I got to stop you. <laughs> have you ever read the autobiography of um, Richard Branson? No. Yeah. You should, it's like a 500 page book, but you should read it. Uh, okay. It was something that inspired me. It's like, talks about how he like built Virgin. And from the beginning, he had this like mega dream of what Virgin was going to be. And everyone's like, you're fucking nuts. But he started it with a record label and then yeah. like kept spinning his way up. So I don't want to, I didn't want to sideball you there, but it would be very valuable to you because the same thing with me with thrive it was like i'm ne i'm not just going to be thrive on life like i want to create an umbrella and then i want to create an incubator accelerator help other businesses yeah. grow yeah so i love to hear that from you and would love to hear more about what paradise <laughs> what was it megacorp megacorp where are we going with that <laughs> yeah so you know we have braxley which is essentially uh sustainable accessories functional accessories uh things that are um health conscious and sort of fit into that conscious lifestyle. Um, and I think that Paradise Megacorp will, will operate and build brands. Essentially, I, I've heard of this term, it's a, it's a strategic initiatives firm. We're like, you know, whether we are founding brands or whether we're partnering with brands that already exist to scale them and to essentially grow uh, 
the universe has provided opportunities for me to, to, to start doing this basically this year. And so, um, my lovely girlfriend, Maddie Miles, she founded a business called Peace Love Hormones two years ago. And it has, I mean, it has already like changed the world. I mean, it's amazing how, how much her product actually, uh, solves a problem and how much her customers are resonating with her and her brand. And she's a one woman show and she, so she's, it's a, she's an herbalist and herbal medicine is what she uh, sells. And so what we realized was that like Maddie should stay in that sort of zone of genius as an herbalist, go back to school, like continue to formulate new products and let Zach and I, who are essentially e-commerce, like e-commerce uh, masters, I think is really what we're, what we're committing our careers to being um, right now, at least and, and brand growth experts. And so we're, we're going to be building peace, love hormones and allowing Maddie to basically stay in her zone of genius. We'll stay in ours and like just, it's just perfect synergy. And then a uh, third opportunity popped up with uh, my good friend from growing up, Joe Fair, who uh, is really striking a chord in the Austin fitness and ancestral health community. Uh, he, he, his kind of brand name is modern primal and he is, you know, basically a, a creator and there's this new phenomenon about creator-led brands and how you have to have the creator, then you have to have the creator operator. And we want to be creator operators and let someone like Joe or somebody like Maddie do their thing as creators and as basically the faces of, of the brand. And we're going to basically take care of the rest, like take care of the business. And, you, you know, there's all these case studies about you know, Logan Paul or Mr. Beast, how they have these basically these managers, you know, they're the, they're the pop stars. And then there's these other people that are like the managers making sure the tour sells out. And we feel really aligned with that. And so the next product with, with Joe modern primal is going to be actually establishing his, uh, like, like modern primal provisions. And so the first product we're releasing is called chisel gum. And it's a mastic gum. That's it's, it's a, basically a sap that grows on this tree in Greece. It only grows on this one island in Greece. And it produces like a little rock of like gum that you can chew all day long. It's like, it has all these health benefits to your digestion and stuff and your oral health, but it also strengthens your jaw muscles and like naturally chisels one's jaw and face and enhances like breathing path pathways and all this cool stuff. And so it's an amazing product that's completely natural and, and really excited. We actually found, uh, established the LLC last night. So we're like moving on this and uh, yeah, just really excited to, to build that, build peace, love hormones with, with my girlfriend, Maddie, and to, you know, what, what the, the overarching thing is all these businesses are fundamentally good for the world and they're good for people's health and they're, they're inspirational and they, they strike that third design aspect of spiritual depth. And so I think, you know, with the whole, the ikigai and like life purpose thing, it's like, yeah, I just want to, I want to leave the world better than I found it. And like through my energy and what I put out there, like going to create businesses that hopefully benefit people's lives and, and inspire people. Couldn't agree more. I love that. And I love what I do because 
I can feel the energy from you talking about it. So if you're listening to this and you're not watching it, we're probably like five feet apart. But being able to talk to people and see them live through what they're doing is, is such a fulfilling thing for me because I know what that feels like because this is what that feels like for me on the other end of other end of the mic. What does a day in the life of Braxton look like now? Because you are taking on more and working to achieve more and help more people and make a larger impact. I think too many people think that we're superhuman, people that find, like create and, and are founders and are working on these different projects. But the reality is anybody can do it in today's day and age. If you have a phone, if you have a, a laptop, you can start something. Uh, and even if you don't, you can still start something. Um, hang around other people that know more than you and kind of lower your ego and, and learn from podcasts and, and books. And you'd be surprised what you can create. But it does get to a point where you start thinking, I have to level up as an individual and I have to do these certain things when that's not the reality. So I'd love for you to share just kind of like what your day in the life looks like for the audience. Yeah. It has definitely involved removing friction, which we talked about before. Like I set up a sweet gym space in my home and while I still love to go to the gym, I don't have to spend that time in traffic there and back if I, if it doesn't fit my day, but I can still knock out that exercise core element of my day. And so removing friction has been, has been key. I have also, you know, yeah, just focused on my health to overall be a higher functioning human being. But, you know, like so much of mental health is balance and being able to like play and do other stuff. And like, I pretty much most of my job involves being in front of a computer. So I'm very aware of the fact that like, after a while that starts to really like negatively affect my spirit and I have to balance that out with nature time and with time to work with my hands and like, you know, like I want to be able to create stuff with my hands. So I'm always working on a physical art piece, essentially like drawing something real or like, like right now I'm, I'm basically uh, making a, a pair of pants like just for that's fun. Awesome. It's just like, I want, I need to be doing something else that's just purely out of passion and in the real world instead of just in the metaverse and so um yeah i mean my life i'm super uh fueled and energized by like spending time with other entrepreneurs and so like i i try to do that like multiple times a week like you know meet with meet with fellow founders and entrepreneurs and like it really feels like so many people's challenges are shared and also the things that people learn from those challenges can can also be shared and like um it's 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 good to feel like we're in a community and i i love that about austin i love that about the community that you're building and it really does i think make hard days easier and you know it makes me feel you know like just inspired to like get going in the in the mornings and like just feeling ready to, you know, sort of seize the day, carpe diem and, and get after it because we're all in this together. Yeah. It's, it's such a unique feeling here. And it's, it's one of the reasons I even started Thrive was to hang around other people like yourself, because I just feel more inclined 
to want to make an impact every single day. And I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about how accountability trumps literally everything. Discipline, skill set, accountability is the number one thing that leads to success in any endeavor. Because if you have to be accountable to showing up at a certain time or somebody is holding you accountable to a goal you have set, even if it takes years, you're going to hit it because it's just on your mind 24-7 that you're accountable to this thing. Where people fail, and this is where I've loved watching you and your journey, is they fail to hold that accountability for the play. Because it's so easy when you start something, you really love it. But then you find yourself doing all the administrative stuff that does happen on a computer. A great example is like we're recording this podcast right now. I just want to do this all day, every day. I would literally record three or four of these a day. But the reality is like who's going to edit the videos? Who's going to take the audio? Who's going to convert the files? Who's going to then create the micro clips that we need to, to, to sell the episode so that more people listen? All this stuff goes into it. And it's very easy. Like in the beginning, I would just... I would just take all of it on. I'm just going to jump into all of it. And it burns you out. And then you start hating and resenting the thing that you actually started. But if you're like Braxton here and you make sure that you invest the same accountability into your play, you're going to be able to withstand any obstacle that's coming your way. So I love that you're talking about building your pants I, I or creating pants. Something that when we bought this house, like it became clear to me is like, I need to do that same thing that you're talking about. I created a YouTube video about me building the sauna in my backyard. And I guess because we live in such a digital world, we just forget that type of, it's not exercise, like modality. Like what would you call that? Like me building the sauna, like just like primal creativity. Yeah. Just like old <laughs> school. Pri- and like I bought fire pits and I like put in the fires together and like grilling and the things that I hadn't had in my life for a while, I started realizing like, how do I keep this in my life a little bit more? So it's interesting that you mentioned that in such a stark difference of like, I would never think to like create pants. Like, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, but we're getting close to wrapping up here. I, I end in the same way. Uh, I end the episode in every single way. Um, who are you trying to connect with? Whether it's customers, business partners, investors. Uh, one of the main missions of the Thriving Life podcast is to have other people reach out to you and connect with you. So speak that into existence here, whoever that may be. Yeah, I would love to work with people who can create content for us. I think that would be huge. Like I know there's probably a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are creative. And I would love to have help telling the story about these bags and belts and really, really uh, getting feedback from the, from the community, you know, people who are using them, who are able to find maybe new uses for them and, and to, to get this out there to the world. Cause this is, you know, it's very exciting. And um, I think that it can go big. So um, I would, yeah, I would love to work with people who can, you know, use the product and, and maybe make content, using the product, whatever it may be. Uh, I know you got a great audience of, you know, health and wellness entrepreneurs as well. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And I'm dead ass. Like I'm holding the bag in, in my hands right now and you can see it on the video. Um, it's super, I love your three things, functional, fashionable. 
and spiritual. It gives me all those vibes. And anybody that's out there that goes on hikes, goes on runs, uh, I mean, even if you're just like the person that wants to walk through a theme park, whatever that is, like this, this would work. And um, yeah, it's it's legit. It's fucking really cool. So reach out to Braxton about that. Um, when are you launching this? Is, well, I'm trying to figure out if this episode launches before that. Yeah, so we're we're basically working on content now, trying to get it, trying to get the pre-sale launched within the next week. But they they'll be delivering in people's mailboxes by the end of March. Okay, cool. Yeah, so when we release this, uh, this will be out, so people should hit you up for that. Awesome. Last question: We always ask everybody. Oh, where do they connect with you? Before I go into the last question. Yeah. Uh, at Braxton Manley on the internet and uh, my company, Braxley. If you just type in insanely comfortable Apple Watch bands, you'll probably find us on Google. So, <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Last question. If I were to ask you to define the word thriving, what does it mean to you? Thriving is, I think, finding the perfect balance in life and you know, ultimately like having a lot of joy in every day. And like, I think I, I've been really loving Rob Dyrdek lately. And I feel like that dude is like talking about thriving in, in a really cool way. And just talking about how like happiness is just having joy spread out throughout your day and how that I think is achieved through balance and through purpose. I've actually been on a zoom call with Rob Dyrdek. Cool. Yeah. Super high energy high vibe i think he was talking about how he bought a million dollar crystal or something to like <laughs> like give him this like extra super like nice. he's one of us like to the max and he's one of the actual it's funny you mentioned him we've always been on the same wavelength but he was one of the inspirations behind thrive and like my old thrive hq like his fantasy factory and just like dreaming bigger and doing bigger things because people tend to put other people in boxes and label them. You could just label him always oh, just a skateboarder, but the man has done so many different things and so many different businesses. And he's a king at systemization to allow him to do more fun shit. So one of the things I actually learned from him is how like dialed in he is on his time. Like he has like this Excel sheet that literally like to a T tells him how much time to spend with his family, with his businesses, on his fitness. Uh, and he basically scores and ranks himself based on that. So it was really interesting to learn from him on that. But I just wanted to thank you again for for showing up here today. It's always a pleasure to get to talk to people like yourself. My biggest takeaway, which I state at the end of every podcast, was pretty clear for me today. The fact that you had those three, like functional, it has to look good, fa fashionable, and then spiritual. Those three connect with me, but the reality is I feel like more people need some type of code to live by and it was cool to watch you just bring that out of like, you're very intentional with the products that you're making and how you're showing up in everyday life. And that stems from those three words. So if you listen to this here today, I want you to think of like what your three words are and then go out into each and every day with those words, giving you purpose and allowing you to live through those principles. That's what we do here at Thrive on Life. And it's something I've done for a long time. And it's cool to hang out with Braxton and other entrepreneurs that do the same thing. The best thing that you can do for us here is to share Braxton's episode with somebody that you think that it could help. Also, give us that five-star rating and review. I look forward to chatting with you all next time. CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life Podcast. Thrive on, y'all. 
What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.